The Church Media Podcast, episode number 51, Concerts, Audio, and the Worship War with John Schlipp. Let's do it. Hey there. Welcome to the Church Media Podcast. The definitive podcast for helping you create dynamic experiences and build solid media production teams at your church. We're bringing you knowledge and insight from top media professionals from around the world. Useful, practical content in the areas of live production, design, leadership, digital communications, and more. The show notes of this episode and all archive episodes of the show are available online now at 1230media.com slash podcast. And now, broadcasting from the ministry headquarters of 1230 Media, here's your host, church media coach, Carl Barnhill. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Church Media Podcast. I'm Carl Barnhill. This is the podcast for helping you create dynamic worship services and events. We like to use the term experiences. We help you create dynamic experiences at your church. We also strive to help you build and maintain solid, thriving volunteer teams at your church, specifically in the area of production, those executing your audio, video, lighting, and other production elements. So before we get to the content of this week's episode, I want to encourage you guys to check out the Church Media Facebook group. It's a closed group that you can join to connect and network with other church media guys and gals. We post our podcast episodes and our blog posts there. Lots of other church media directors and pastors share tools, ask questions, share designs, and more. All you have to do is search the Church Media Facebook group on Facebook today to start diving into the community. Be sure to check that out. All right, this week on the show, I'm going to share my interview with former Petra frontman John Schlitt with you. So much fun and very, very informative. I'll tell you all about it after this week's Church Media Resource of the Week. Hit it. And now, your Church Media Resource of the Week. Software, websites, gadgets, and tools that will resource your creativity and your ministry. Well, hey there, this is Brady Shearer from ProChurchTools.com with your Church Media Resource of the Week. You know, it wasn't too long ago when I was in Bible college, I was a budding church creative trying to figure my way through video editing and graphic design and building websites and understanding everything that came to, to, to coding and design and motion graphics, all that good stuff. And it used to be that if I wanted to download a single program, let's say like Premiere Pro, a video editing application, I'd have to spend upwards of $1,000 to get access to that program. And then just a couple of years ago, man, I wish they had done this when I was in college and had no money. A couple of years ago, Adobe introduced their new model called Adobe Creative Cloud. This was the way that they were going to sell and price all of their programs. And so instead of having to pay, you know, $1,000 for a single program and then having to update that program, spend for another license every time they released a new version, you can now get every single app that Adobe creates within their Creative Cloud subscription service every single new update as they come immediately for a small monthly fee, anywhere between $20 and $50 a month. That gives you access to Photoshop, Premiere Pro, After Effects, Lightroom, Adobe Audition, which is what I'm recording this Church Media Media Resource of the Week segment in right now, Illustrator, InDesign, all of those things for a small monthly fee. Again, I wish they had this available in college. You can Google that or go to creative.adobe.com and you can get signed up for that. They even offer discounts for nonprofits. And if you're a student currently or working at a school, you can get discounts as well. So check that out. Adobe's Creative Cloud. This is Brady Shearer signing off. Hope you enjoyed this week's edition of Church Media Resource of the Week. free resources for your team visit 1230media.com slash training and now back to your church media coach carl barnhill that's my friend brady shearer be sure to check out his resources and training for your church at prochurchtools.com i interviewed legendary rocker john schlitt about 10 years ago when i was managing a christian radio station in south carolina At the time, John was leaving the band Petra and really didn't know what the Lord had in store. I caught up with John on what he's been up to the last several years. We talked about how he plans his concerts, what media and other elements are produced for his live shows, using click track videos, and more. 
I also blamed him for the worship war that so many of us in church world still face. That was a fun little moment that we had. We posted this interview a while back on our blog, and it's been listened to and shared by hundreds of church media guys and pastors, and I hope it will encourage you this week. First, I want you to hear from John about his background and how you can partner with him and his ministry. Check this out. For almost four decades, music has been a very important part of my life. A lot of you remember me in Petra, but even before then, I was in a group called Head East. I had a life-changing experience. I thought I was out of music forever, but God had a different plan. I became a Christian, and the door opened for me to become part of Petra, a Christian music group that traveled all over the world and announced the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's waiting for you. Petra's ministry ended on New Year's Eve 2005-2006. This gave me the opportunity to begin a solo career. I've had five solo CDs and it's been an exciting adventure. However, many friends have said, there are people who want to be part of this ministry. I said, well, I've never thought of that possibility. But now I'm excited to announce that through John Schlitt Ministries, we can work together to advance the gospel all over the world. God has already opened the door for me to minister through music in Saudi Arabia and India. Other opportunities are opening up here in the United States and all over the world. And that's where you come in. John Schlitt Ministries allows you to join with me to spread the gospel through your tax-deductible contribution. Together, let's change the world through the power of the gospel. How-tos, advice, and tips on how you can create dynamic media experiences at your church. This is the Church Media Podcast, hosted by Carl Barnhill. This is an exclusive interview from 1230 Media and Carl Barnhill. Get shareable content and free resources for your team at 1230media.com slash podcast. Here's Carl now. My guest today is John Schlitt. John is a singer and artist who spent eight years with the band Head East and went on to front the Christian rock band Petra from 1986 to 2005. He's arguably one of the most powerful vocalists in the music industry. In recent years, he's released several solo and partnership projects and has recently launched John Schlitt Ministries as he continues to sing, minister, and share the gospel of Jesus Christ all over the world. John, welcome in. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Oh, thank you, Carl. It's a, it's a pleasure, buddy. Thanks for the time. Now, we saw each other a few weeks ago at the NRB in Nashville, and we talked for a few minutes. I was telling you then, and I'll tell our listeners, that I interviewed you about 10 years ago uh, when I was managing a radio station in Greenville, South Carolina. Now, I've done hundreds of interviews uh, you know, over the years with artists and different things, but I remember yours specifically because I remember how humble and how vulnerable you were at that point in your life. Now, you had just left... Petra. Now, you guys had just done a farewell tour, and you did your final thing, and we chatted right after that about, um, and you you were just very open to the fact that you had no clue where God was going to take you and what he was going to do with you, and we prayed and and chatted together. So I just wanted to thank you for that memory and just for being so generous at that time. Oh, thanks, buddy. You know, uh, I believe that we as part of the body of Christ, when we get together and uh, you know, we're seeking answers, and it was just a perfect, it was a good time for me, too, because uh, uh, you were asking me the right questions, and I was able to share and share my heart, as, as I hope we can do today. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, honesty is a beautiful thing. Uh, <laughs> it seems to have faded away from our country a little bit, but uh, I'd like to keep it going as strong as possible. All right, so uh, catch me up over the last 10 years. We've seen each other in passing a little bit over the last few years, but catch me up. What have you been up to over the last 10 years? Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, since the uh, last time we talked, you know, I was searching, fi- trying to figure out what God was was going to choose to do in my life, and uh, uh, he didn't waste a lot of time. I, it took me about uh, six, seven months to uh, – actually, I started with Bob Hartman, and we did something called Two Guys from Petra, which and we did an, uh, an album called uh, a Vertical Expre- uh, Expressions, and which was just uh, – it was a – CD of classic praise and worship songs done the way we'd like to hear them, and that was fun. We toured that for about two years. Meanwhile, during that tour, I did my third solo record uh, called The Grafting, which was very much a family-oriented 
type of subject matter for me. It was it was probably the most mellow record that I well of my five solo CDs. It's by far the most mellow, including the Christmas album. Uh, so uh, that was exciting. I, I toured that for a couple of years, and then I did an album called The Greater Cause, and uh, I think that's one of the best records I've I've ever been part of. Best CDs I've ever been part of. Uh, which was basically just getting back to my roots of of rock with a with a Christian message, and uh, I love that. And then, uh, last but not least, I did as far as my solo um, projects, I did a Christmas album several years ago, which is something I've always wanted to do, and I'm very happy with it. It's been a it's been not a financial success, but I think a uh, a, a musical uh, success as far as uh, Listening to it, it's, it's top quality. I've had only the best people working on it. They believed in it, and it came across really well. Uh, then <laughs> uh, I worked with a, a band called the Jay Seculo Band, yeah. and we have been having a ball doing that. Um, That's John videos. John Elefante's with you, right? Is that right? Yeah, yes, yes. And Jay, Jay plays drums? Yep, Jay plays drums and guitar. John and I sing. We're the two lead singers, and that's amazing. Uh, being able to sing with them, it's pretty much, uh, we're doing, we've done a lot of copy tunes, secular copy tunes, which back in the 70s, it, uh, it was one of those things where Jay just, it started out as a, as a relaxation for Jay, and it turned into a, um, an explosive band. So uh, John and I have had a ball with that. And then, and then as John and I got together, we started going out on tour, what I call the John and John tour, uh, where he, he sings some of his Kansas stuff and some of his uh, Mastodon and solo projects, and I do some of my Head East and uh, Petra and solo projects. And then at the end of it, we, we give a message that basically, see, this is what God has done through our history. Uh, you know, musically, we sort of do that, and it's been a real fun time. And then lately, just recently, I uh, got together with Billy Smiley, uh, who was the found one of the founders of Whiteheart, and we decided that it might be very cool to put the two musical uh, styles together, and started writing, and uh, ended up putting out a a, a new CD called uh, uh, the Union of Sinners and Saints. Now, tell me about John Schlitt Ministries. Is this a new thing, and why did you guys launch this, and what's that about? Uh, John Schlitt Ministries is probably my major focus, although I didn't mention it in the scheme of things. I was, it, I'm sort of a, it, it's one of those things where I decided that God has blessed me in so many different ways. I wanted to try to return uh, some of those blessings in, in where maybe a church couldn't afford uh, you know, a ministry like mine, and I could go in, and Josh Lit Ministries could cover that cost. We'd go in and, and charge tickets, ticket prices, but all the ticket prices would, all the money that was raised would go to a cause, a local cause, that the church would like to sponsor, including maybe a new roof for the church. I don't know. But it was just one of those things where I could go in and say thank you, and meanwhile do what God's allowed me to do on my whole, you know, since the since the 80s, and, and that's to lift up Jesus Christ through the music form I love to do, not to mention speaking through songs and stuff. And then we're, uh, you know, working on a couple of other projects that seem to be opening up for John Schlitt Ministries, and it's, uh, it's one of those things that has been going on for about two years. It formed, uh, I think, two years ago, and it, it's an entity that is searching to find out what it can do to help in the name of Christ, and uh, these are the things that are formulating now. I, I've gone through three or four different stages where it didn't work. It wasn't what, uh, apparently it wasn't what God had in store, so we'd, we'd back off, say, okay, what's next, Lord? And then this opportunity would come, and we'd try that. And now I'm feeling pretty good about, the, again, being able to go out as a, as a ministry tool that can help raise money and... Uh, and in and in doing that, still preach the word and, and get you know see lives changed as we're as we're earning uh, earning income for these causes. Now you you've been obviously been around a long time, but t- give us a, a quick snapshot of your you know, your testimony from Hedy's to Petra and and what the Lord uh, did to to kind of change your life in that in that time. 
Well, I was raised in a little bitty town in Illinois uh, with a set of parents that were real sweethearts. They were good people. I have no excuses for my, the, some of my future choices uh, at that time. Uh, and my mom was a Catholic, my dad was a Lutheran, and I, I truly believed in God, but I had no idea who Jesus was. Uh, the difference in religion almost split the family up for a little while until my parents said, okay, that's enough. And they said to me, you go to church, you go to the church you choose to go to when you choose to go. And that's what meant that although I prayed every night, I never went to church. And uh, so I was not what I, I would call a bona fide Christian. Uh, I got into music very early and just loved it. I loved rock. It was an exciting music form. And, and in college, I met these guys that, uh, that turned into a band called Head East. The day I graduated from college, we went on the road, and by that I mean we went and played in college bars for every night, uh, seven hours a night, and it was what I felt. Although I graduated as a civil engineer uh, from the University of Illinois, I knew that music was going to be part of my life at least for the next couple of years. So we quickly went in and recorded our own album, um, paid for it ourselves, and it hit, and we were able to choose a label we wanted to, and it ended up being a very successful record in the Midwest. Uh, I think it's platinum now. It had a song on it called Never Been Any Reason, which is a classic now. And it, it opened up a lot of doors. It allowed me to tour all over the country on the biggest tours that were happening at the time, which gave me a lot of experience. I, I'm talking hindsight here. I'm, I'm watching God's plan now as I look back. The only problem, I was, I was fair game. I was, uh, I was in the middle of the, as far as I'm concerned, the enemy's world backstage, and I had no protection at all. And uh, I, although I was raised to not do any of this, I ended up being a, a coked-out coked uh, um, alcoholic. And it's so bad to where the band fired me. And in 1980... I went on a binge after I was fired uh, with the excuse of starting another band. And at the end of the binge, it was about six months long. One morning I woke up and decided I was better, I was worth more dead than alive. Decided to choose which way to go, which was, in my case, pills. I sat in my chair as I watched my two little, little ones playing in the living room. And my wife taps me on the back as I'm determining which way I'm going to go. She doesn't know, of course, I'm doing this. And she uh, and says, John, remember, you promised you'd come and talk to my pastor tonight. Because that same six-month period that I was going on my binge, my wife got saved. And that's not a coincidence. That's God's timing. And she tried to tell me about the Lord during that six months, and I just wouldn't listen because I was too cool for Christ. And finally, I said, okay, fine, I'll go talk to the pastor. Uh, yeah, meaning I just went to let her know that I tried because I knew what, was, what I was going to do. I went to the pastor's house with an attitude and walked out with the Holy Spirit. And my life's never been the same since. I uh, gave up music altogether. Uh, I wanted to start totally over. I figured my music career was done. I was over. And I went in to be the best Christian, the best father, the best husband I could be. And for the next five years, I got into the Word big time. I mean, I was really, I wanted to get caught up in what truth really was. And, but, but still, I had this feeling that, man, I, I was good at what I did musically, you know. And my wife said, you know, God's not a God of waste. And I go, yeah, well, fine, that's, that says a lot for me. Uh, you know, I'll never sing again. And she goes, huh? You just never know. I'm going, right. Uh, and, but one day, about five years later, uh, we're sitting in our, in our uh, house Sunday afternoon, and all of a sudden, God, I was sitting here, seriously, I was, I was thinking, well, I've got our first new home. Our kids are going to, to a Christian school. We've got a great church. I've got a, a great job. This must be the American dream. And all of a sudden, it was like a voice says, John, this isn't it. Don't get content. This is not it. And I looked at my wife and said, babe, I think God just spoke to me and said this wasn't it. And I explained through the whole thing, and she said, what do you think it is? I said, I have no idea. About a month later, Bob Hartman from Petra called me hmm. and said, John, would you consider seeing Petra? 
And I thought it was a joke. I thought somebody was trying to play a joke on me because by that time everyone knew I was a big Petra fan. I had someone that handed me a record and said, this band sounds just like yours, but you're old band, but it's Christian. And I'm getting right. I listened to it and said, oh, my gosh, this is how rock should have, I should have been doing it. But just thought there's no way because I had been, you know, I had used my voice in such a negative way before. God wasn't going to use me. You know, typical Christian thinking he knows God's plan. And finally, when Bob convinced me it was him, to make a long story short, six months later, I'm singing in Brisbane, Australia, in front of 6,000 people, the first time sober in seven years, Wow! which was weird. But it took me about six months to get my wings back on, and by that I mean getting back into shape, getting the, the uh, uh, monitor man, the sound man, knowing what I need, and just getting back into the scheme of things. And from then on, it was, uh, it was a dream. It was a dream come true. I, I will have to say that God allowed me to go to every place that I ever was with Head East and, and, and give a totally different message than I did with, uh, with my secular world. Wow. And, and then, then the rest of the world. I mean, uh, Petra played all over the world. Head East only played in the U.S. And so God took it and took it way past anything I could have ever imagined. And... Uh, it's been 20 years, you know, it was 20 years with Petra, and it seemed like a, uh, it went on in two days. It just, yeah. But I watched God do amazing things using the strangest five guys in the world, and, and just, uh, I was just very blessed to watch how God worked. Yeah, incredible story. Um, now, one thing I wanted to talk with you, you touched on this a, a little bit. Um, at our ministry, 1230 Media, we're all about helping churches create uh, experiences for their people. So producing video and media content for their screens Uh and training their audio, video, lighting, and production uh, guys to execute high-quality experiences uh, where where people meet Jesus and uh, and grow in their relationship with Him. We want to help create the the Sunday worship experiences and events and stuff and help churches do that. Now, you've been heavenly involved in, obviously, creating concert and worship experiences for decades. I'd love to ask you a few questions about the process and planning and executing of those events. So my, my first question is, tell me how the ideas for a tour or a concert experience come about. Where do the ideas usually come from? How do you brainstorm and plan out what uh, kinds of experiences and tours that, that you guys are going to do? Well, it's, or it's you have in, compli- in the past. It, it's, it's complicated. First of all, you've got, you're going to tour. Usually, at least uh, uh, in my history, it was you were featuring on your newest CD. Not forgetting some of the key songs of the old, the ones that you had before, but you're always uh, ready to bring a fresh new idea, which God always puts on our hearts, through the newest CD that you have. And then you take that CD and you go, okay, the message is this. How do we bring it across? Also understanding in the, in the, Christian, in the Christian world that you, need, you better have some uh, pretty heavy-duty praise and worship because that still is the key. So even though the record may not be a praise and worship record, in our case it was always uh, uh, songs that had messages that were life-changing, or at least we hoped they were, but not forgetting that praise and worship better be the, the final cap to, to, bring, to let the Holy Spirit do its work. So it was almost like you, you start the concert and earn the listening ear of not only the Christian, but maybe their non-Christian friends, by say, by letting them see, hey, this is a this is a real band. This is a real concert. This is like I used to, you know, I go to in the secular world. That's what I call earning the the, the listening ear. And when you do that, they go, you know, wow, these guys these guys are for real. They are rock. They are rockers. Then they will listen. They, it, it opens up that ear where say, okay, you start talking about why you're doing this. You know, uh, you start talking about uh, the message of the songs, and they'll listen instead of go, "Oh, here's another Christian." Typically, it's it's that way. You start you start bringing across the message that they will actually be receptive to a point, but they don't realize just how receptive they, they really are because Christ's plan is so much bigger than they are. And then that's when you capitalize. You, you start you start getting after you've done that and the excitement factors happening and all this, then you bring in the praise and worship that is 
absolutely edified. I mean, praise and worship is always anointed if it's done with the heart that needs to be, it needs to bring it across. And so it, it's a complicated but beautiful uh, formula if you desire and you pray for that, for that output, for that, that outcome of seeing lives changed. Now, how far out did you plan your concerts and events, and what, what elements were planned and produced ahead of time uh, to use on a, a tour? Uh, well, usually uh, because the tour would go, you know, you say, okay, we're going to do 20 dates in the fall, 20 dates in the spring, or, or 40 or whatever, you would design the whole thing before it started. Right. Now, now, there would be times when, again, I think it's right after, now, it used to be it would take like six months after you do a record for it to come out because the record company needed all the uh, time to build the front cover and the promo and all this stuff. That's, that's shortened up a lot, but back then, we had about six months after the record was done to sit down and say, okay, this is our plan. This is how it's going to work. We want to use this. The staging was designed. This, uh, you know, the lights and, and PA were hired. The, the video, as time went on, on uh, the No Doubt Tour, we had video. And, and now I don't, th- I don't think a tour, a major tour, can exist without video. Absolutely uh, not, That's no. a different ballgame. I mean, now you have tracks that, and dance and all this. The, the, the generation today is a video generation. Mm-hmm. And their attention spans about a second. Mm-hmm. So if there's not a video up there uh, grabbing their attention or something, you'll lose it. And if you lose their attention, it all of a sudden boredom goes in, and again, you lose the listening ear. So it's a very, very uh, video is very, very important. It's uh, uh, it's expensive, but it's very important, and that's why you know it used to be you didn't do tracks at all because. That was not pure. There's a lot of bands that still do that, but there's also a lot of bands that have the wisdom to say, hey, we've got to have a lot of action going on, and video is the, is the key. But to do that, you have to do it with the click and, and play. You're playing live, but you're also playing with the click, so you, so you uh, coordinate the, yeah. the video behind you. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. If you use uh, click tracks or use Ableton, um, the drummer using uh, Ableton, what is your, your setup, and what, what, what do you feel is, well, is best, best to make sure it all matches? The, the last tour I did was with, with uh, Petra was the, uh, the farewell tour, and we didn't use Click. We used, the, the drummer used uh, Templeton. That was, uh, that was the best. That was more pure. That yeah. way, when, when there, if there was something that needed to be done, uh, he could pop it in there, and we could, we could function without that. To me, sometimes click can be a bondage because right. there, there's certain there's certain meter certain crowds that demand a little bit more meter or some crowds a little less meter. Uh, you, you function with the crowds, the spirit of the crowd at the time. Where a click says, "Nope, you're going to play the, the speed of the record, and that's it. Hopefully, it'll be the right speed." It just so it can be a hindrance. Now, any any more, you know, the technology has changed and it's getting better and better. As far, I don't know, and you you may want to tell me this: Is there a way, you know, do we have a clicks now that can be adjustable that will adjust with the with the uh, uh, video? I, I don't know. I I'd love to say yeah. <laughs> I'd love to be told there is, and if that's the case, then then clicks a wonderful thing. Yeah. Well, there's different ways that, and we produce a lot of the um, you know video content for artists and for churches and for uh, ministries that that they're they're different uh w- one method is is a click track and you're tied to it where like yeah. you, you can't turn another chorus or anything like that you're definitely tied to it and then uh-huh. another another method would be uh like uh what's called flex files where you can make individual like the the verse is one video the chorus yeah. is one video uh-huh. to where yep. the the operator at the booth can kind of bounce between okay he's turning another chorus and I can easily you know flex Boy, and move that, with that. That um, almost sounds a little complicated because <laughs> it, it's still the chorus is still at, at, a, at a set meter though. Isn't that's it? right. Uh, yeah, so, so it can see, be a little. Still, yeah, there's still a little bit of guessing with that. The best way yeah, is probably I, I, with click, I, but yeah. And I see what you're saying. If you want to repeat the chorus, if it's a if it's a sing along chorus, you want to repeat it more than one time, you could do it that way. But I'll tell you what, you still have to go click because you've still got to yes. be keeping the the same meter. Yes, and and mo- so, to to make it exactly perfect and and exactly meshing with what you're doing on stage, click is definitely the way to go. But it does hinder. Uh, and and uh, you, you know, let's talk about this. Do you feel hindered 
And by the way, with this podcast and blog, you're talking to church media guys that are getting all this stuff. I mean, the, you know, they're the guys that are plugging yep. this in and figure this out. So we're we're talking to the <laughs> to the tech guys that are actually pulling this off. Uh, and so, um, do do you feel hindered by a click track? Like, man, I really wanted to uh, sing at a different uh, meter, or I wanted to I've sing always, another deal. Or... Felt, yes, yes, I've you feel always that? felt hindered with a click mm. track as a singer. I'm the one that watches the reaction of the crowd, and yeah. I feel I, when there's a click track. Sometimes it feels like there's a gigantic anchor around my neck. Yeah. But see, I, I always see like that. I always always have liked it at, at a little faster than the record anyway because I'm very hyper and I like the to me rock is a, a very exciting music form and although the speed for the CD is perfect, to me live you almost need you, you need to to goose it up a little bit. Right. Right. All right, so let's talk uh, from that technical and production side a little bit. Talk to me about your relationship with the audio, the video, the lighting guys. What are you communicating? What are the conversations like? Like, uh, like you mentioned the monitors earlier with audio. Where are you? What conversations are you having with them uh, uh, that that uh, you know is bringing your experience together? Very simple. Uh, now, now that I'm doing uh, solo dates, or you know, when I get a chance to, I'm going out by myself, and I'm using the people that are there. They could be, they could be the son of the pastor. They right. could be, you know, or they could be a real pro. And when that pro comes, I almost get on my knees and thank him. Yeah. You know, just, oh, yeah. thank you. Uh, and it's very simple for me. It's uh, uh, give me a little 4K because uh, I stood in front of too many symbols for too long and. Uh, I need a little boost on 4K. That's really what I register. That when I'm singing, when I hear the 4K in, in my, that that's what I'm always searching for in my voice. So that so it, it so if they can get that up, just goose it just a little bit. I'm a happy man. I tell them all, the front people. Remember, this is a rock show. Don't put my voice too far up ahead, because if I hear my voice too well, I'll blow my throat out. Hmm. Because it's, yeah. I'm not comfortable. I'm not singing the way I'm supposed to be singing. Right. So I'll, uh, as strange as that may sound, don't let me hear myself too much. Right. Now that, I, and I, you know, although I'm a rocker, I tell you, uh, the mellow stuff too is the same way. If I don't hear it just right, I'll tense up and I'll tr- and I'll sing it, I'll sing it too hard. And uh, when a singer tenses up, and he's singing tense for you know an hour and a half. All of a sudden, you lose your range. You lose uh, control. It's right. just—it's you—you get the audience about half of what they deserve, you know. Mm. So it's very important for me to hear right. And for me, it's—I uh, I had a monitor man. His name is Jeff Gallup, who's probably one of the finest monitor guys in the business. Period. Not Christian, not secular, but period. Uh, he knew—he knew what I needed before I knew what I needed. You know, yeah. he could tell if, my, if I was tired. He. he he knew just the right frequency to bring up. Uh, he knew what kind of, of, of what what I wanted in my mix. And now, when it was a band mix, because I stood in front of the drums, I didn't need much drums. And we're talking mod, we're talking in ear monitors here. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. um, that's a more pure mix. Um, I would need the guitar and the uh, I'd need the equipment, you know, the, the the instruments, but not that much because. It still was amps, you know, and praise God, when I could hear the front house, that was even better for me, because that that feedback, that bounce back, believe it or not, I I, I fed off of that more than I let it, fed off the monitors, because it had the frequency I, I was always looking for. It just had a it had a comfortable feel for me. Uh, so, but I would have vocals for sure. I'd have all the vocals in because I wanted to harmonize with them. And of course, as a lead singer, that was my that I always thought that was my main job: make sure the vocals and, and the harmonies were were mixed tight, make sure they were tight. So, as a lead singer, that's what I do. Now, as a guitar player, I I play with many amazing guitar players, but I'm telling you right now, they all have common denominator: they want to hear themselves. <laughs> yeah. They want to they want to hear every scratch of every every string there is, and it's. Uh, and the keyboard, all the instruments are the same. They they got to make sure they hear everything because they they are visualizing their their you know their fingers on those strings. They are, right. And they, they they hear the pop. They hear the so I guarantee you they're probably way overbalanced as far as their instruments. But that's that should be understood. 
Right. Um, what are some of the challenges or mishaps that may have happened on stage from a technical perspective that you've had to work through? You've, you've done hundreds of concerts. What are some uh, you know, experiences? A mic goes out or a, a, co- a chord is missing, an instrument goes out, or how do you deal with those high-pressure environments? Well, there's several examples I can give you. I, uh, we, there was a time when it was very cool to have a total clear stage meaning all your monitors and everything were underneath the stage, or, or all, the, all the line was, in, was underneath the stage and was all mixed. That went on for a while. That was supposed to be cool. I thought it, was, it wasn't, but that, we were in, in Sweden, and uh, uh, we had floor monitors. Now, please understand, I don't like floor monitors because I'm too active, and we had major spotlights just blinding me, all right? So I'm running all the place, and I back up, and I backed up over this floor line and fell flat on my behind in front of about 4,000 people, and it, there was no place to hide. I mean, I looked like a clumsy character, and there was no place to hide to get re- recouped, you know, to regain, and that was weird. Yeah. Uh, then, th- that, to me, that was a technical difficulty. That probably the one that was the most uh, pronounced on our farewell tour we played in in uh, Argentina. We played in front of the uh, we played at a football arena, the biggest one in Argentina, and we oversold it. It was ninety six thousand people. Oh my gosh! And oh, it was it was amazing. It was it was the biggest show I think we ever did, and. We get ready to go on. We had an amazing sound check. It was perfect. It was it was like, oh, we are going to kill. This is so cool. Uh, the the uh, electrical is different. You know, it's uh, 220. Right. right. So we're standing here ready to go on, and they, they plug in the equipment, and somebody, I think, we think it was our road manager who got a little too excited, plugs, plugs Bob's guitar his, his uh, pedal board that had all of his effects and everything into a 220 and blew it sky high. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. And we're talking like a minute and a half before it's supposed to go on. And it's a real, it's a, it, you know, it had a many, it had two or three different artists on it, and but we were the ones that was, you know, Petra, Petra, Petra. And so it had grown up to a few, there's 96,000 people yelling, you know, ready to have fun. And so um, Bob goes, well, we can't play. I said, Bob, 96,000 people, we're going to play. And so he finally got over that. We tr- then we had a, uh, 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 an, you know, a, a recording type of thing, a pad for the drummer that we'd have extra, you know, uh, it's sort of like the, the track thing, but it's, it's a pad. It just, uh, uh, and so we destroyed that to try to put together something that would save the pedal, that didn't work. So we have, now we have our pad is gone, the, the, the uh, pad for the guitar is gone. We said, what we're still gonna do, we're gonna do, we walk up, start the show, and our drummer puts his pedal through the bass drum. Oh no. Oh yeah, this is all happening in front of the biggest crowd we've ever had. Meanwhile, the monitors are totally different. I can't hear a thing. And I start screaming my lungs out, and I have, after about the second song, my voice is almost gone. That is what you call a technical, absolute <laughs> nightmare. Yeah, that, that is the culmination of everything the Possibly Go Wrong did in front of the biggest crowd we've ever done, and the people still loved it. Hmm. We thought it was the most terrible, and, and praise God, I don't think there's many uh, uh, videos of it, Although there probably is, and we just don't want to look at them. Uh, but it was it was an amazing event of terror, and so that I think would be the, uh, putting it all in one nutshell. That to me is the event to remember never to do again. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, we, uh, I, I, again, our uh, our our podcast and uh, is church media guys, so we deal with this, you know, every Sunday of you know. But but it's true that. Most of the time, the audience has no clue what's going on, and they probably are are fine. Like, if you were to ask them when they left, uh, did you realize everything was going on? No. What are you talking about? 
Oh, uh, of course. But, yeah. you know, as musicians, especially Christian musicians, you want to give your best. Yeah, yeah. And you had one time to do that. Yeah. And, and if you felt like the enemy just took, stole it away from you. That's but so good, yeah. I totally, totally understand what you're saying. Yes, we're, we're big boys, and we, we overcame it, and uh, everybody thought it was amazing and all that stuff, but you know, you always knew that yeah, you, know you could have done better. Yeah, yep. exactly. Now, we have a lot of churches that we work with that still deal with uh, juggling traditional uh, worship services along with a contemporary style of worship. So the worship war is mm-hmm. still going on. Uh, now, I want to bring this question to you because when you guys first started uh, with Petra, you guys, and Whiteheart, and even Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith and those other guys were almost seen as the, the crazy Christian rock music. You know, So what I'm saying is we're blaming you for the worship war. That's actually... <laughs> <laughs> no. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, I, I, just... <laughs> I wear that bad problem. No, no, no. no. Uh, so I, how, how have you seen that over the years and dealt with the naysayers on the style of music that you sing, and what would you tell church leaders that are still dealing with this struggle? I'm sorry. I feel sorry for them. Yeah. Um, and really, uh, it is a struggle that will go on until the, the generation that uh, uh, doesn't like rock disappears. Yeah. And uh, uh, they, they're set in their ways. That's how they want it. And in a selfish way, that's how it's going to be, period. Yeah. I want this kind of music, and if you don't play it, I'm not coming. And my check's not coming either. And so that's something that the, that the uh, leaders of the church have to deal with. And then at the same hand, you have the younger generation says, listen, I'm tired of this old stuff. If you don't play the stuff that I, really, that I can really praise with and, yeah. and worship I'm leaving. with, I'm, you got it. Yeah. So I would not want to be a pastor or let alone a music leader. Oh, my gosh. And usually the, the, uh, uh, the way of overcoming that, which is a shame, it's divide and conquer. You do a traditional in the morning where all the old folks come, mm-hmm. and then you do a, high pa- a, a more um, high-power, uh, up-to-date type of thing uh, on the second service or third service or whatever. And uh, that's where the young people will come. And by young, shoot, I don't – people that just are tired of – there are people that love uh, hymns, and there are people that don't. Right. And I'll, I'll tell you what, and it goes on a cycle. There, there are young people now that want to have traditional hymns again because sure. they're tired, tired of hearing the same old chord changes and uh, sort of uh, energy. But what, what does it say? Type of thing, right. you know, or it says it four hundred times in a row, and that's yep. it. So, it's all, it's all. It, you really have to know your people and be a servant to them. Now, if you, you know, you are also a leader. And you realize there's some amazing stuff if they would just venture out. Oh, boy, how do you do that? Sometimes you, you introduce a song and, and apologize before you do it, saying, I realize that's not what everybody likes to hear, but I really believe in this song. I think it really has something to say, and it's exciting. And then it all depends on if there's a, a um, are they open enough not to be just totally selfish say no it's my way or the highway uh, and if that's the case then, then you're probably fighting an uphill battle hmm. yeah. does that help does, uh, it, does that make any sense to you it's definitely uh, exactly what we're seeing week in week out with with churches um you know it, it's it's that it's still going on in some churches uh you know the the older people are are, are either staying there or and we've seen the older crowd say the uh-huh. same thing as a younger crowd in some instances of, uh, you know, I, I, we need to change with the times. If, if we don't, I, I'm going to go over to this other church. You know, it, it's, it's almost becoming not an age thing, but a preference thing uh, yeah. now, you know? Mm-hmm. That's exactly so. right. It, uh, tell you what, praise and worship, it, it goes in cycles. Right now, it's like praise, even the new praise is like the same, you know, it's the same four people writing all the songs, yeah. and God bless them, they're doing an amazing job. But after a while, it's like, jeez, yeah. okay, sounds just like the beautiful song, song the time before. And right, the beautiful song yeah. And, exactly, and yeah. so you're always looking for change because it's fresh, and that's what people are looking for. What is that? Only God knows, and you just have to pray and say, "Okay, God, will you please guide me?" I do believe that the praise and worship is is so underrated. It's so it's so overlooked, and that's what music was designed for: was to praise God. 
and and it was to to loosen the whole let the holy spirit start to go free and and that way when when the holy spirit is there the message is totally is is totally absorbed yeah. uh you know you go into a church that has traditional stuff and people don't want to hear tradition they they, they bear it they they tolerate it and then the poor pastor has to go in and start totally from scratch because if nothing else there's resentment the spirit of resentment is in the church you know yeah. and so it's you got it praise and worship is a very important tool and uh, it's just it's just something people have to understand i mean i've been to churches where uh praise and worship was uh uh I, again, tolerate it. They just wouldn't go in. They, they'd wait and have they'd have coffee, and when praise and worship was over, they'd come in and say, "Okay, I'm glad somebody liked it because I didn't have to tolerate it." Wow. It's 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 that kind of uh, uh, you know they're <laughs> resistance. <laughs> they're they're yeah. strong feelings towards praise and worship in both positive and negative. Yeah. Now, what advice would you give to church media staff and volunteers? How can those executing Sunday worship services, um, you know, and events help to not be a distraction? But to, to help those on stage and and others, uh-huh. you know, share the gospel and create those experiences. Well, first of all, take take praise and worship very seriously. Realize that it's a very important tool that opens up a way for a great message. Uh, and I'm assuming your pastor has gives great messages. Be a tool to help your pastor bring across the message that God put on his heart. That's your responsibility. Yeah. Um, knowing your people. Oh my gosh, that's uh, and and. That's not just the pastor's responsibility. It's the it's the praise and worship team too. Uh, be make sure that anyone that's playing that music or they don't have an attitude that's good enough. That's Christian. Mm. They better have an attitude that it's got to be the best because it's Christian. God deserves the best. Don't ever walk in with the attitude. Well, you know, I don't need to rehearse that much because let's face it, it's just it's just a church morning. It's just praise and worship. No, they should understand that the praise and worship has, is a tool that's being used for eternity. And just think of that. This, they have a responsibility way past the, the typical singer that walks on stage and says, good enough, pay me. Yeah. They've, they've, got, they've got responsibility that's heavy duty. And, uh, and if you find people like that, make sure they understand they're very well, they're very much appreciated. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just it, it's these kind of small things that, that are important. If you walk in with a team that knows how important their job is, let them know that you appreciate them and that uh, uh, get the best sound system you can, get the best, you know, uh, make sure, and don't play it at one-tenth the volume. Or somebody has to turn up their hearing aid to hear it. <laughs> Music should be felt and heard. Now, that's coming from a rocker. A so, rocker, you know, baby, uh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm serious. The right frequencies heard and felt, they don't irritate the ear. They, they just they give, you a full, they give you a full impact of the music. Mm. Well, man, thank so, you so much for, uh, for sharing this and hanging out. What's next for you? What projects do you have coming up that we can keep up with? Well, the late, the, like I said, the one coming up now is Union of Sinners and Saints. That's the name yeah. of the album. And then meanwhile, Jay Seculo Band is starting to write. Uh, we're starting to record our first original uh, CD. That'll be out. And then Josh Slip Ministries is everywhere. I mean, uh, I'm totally available for anywhere in the world. And if, uh, if, there, if, you, if someone feels that he can use me, they've got a ministry they want to they wanna help, and uh, I might be a great tool to be used, give us a call uh, at johnwschlitt.com or um, org. Yeah, I was going to ask you where we, uh, where we can follow you. Are you on social media at all? Oh, gosh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Just, just Google John Schlitt, and you'll get several pages. Facebook so. and Twitter and all that. Well, man, thank yep. you. Uh, thank you. It's been a pleasure catching up, man. Hopefully it won't be another 10 years before we, uh, we chat again. <laughs> well, you realize that's your fault. <laughs> that is, you that is true. I'm, you're right. I'm gu- totally guilty. Totally guilty. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> well, blessings on your new project, man. I wish you the best, and uh, thank you so thank much you, for buddy. your time today, brother. Oh, I just I appreciate your time. I appreciate your interest, man. We, we work together. We see things get done. 
This has been an all-access interview from 1230 Media and Carl Barnhill. Get exclusive content for your team online now at 1230media.com. Guys, John is an extremely humble guy. He is the real deal. Go visit his site when you can and support him. JohnSchlitt.com is the website to go to. Well, that is it for us this week. As always, for complete show notes, transcripts, and more, visit 1230media.com forward slash podcast. This week, we'll also post some music videos, links to John's ministry, and a lot more free stuff. Just go to 1230media.com forward slash podcast. Click on episode number 51 for all the free stuff. Next week on the show, I welcome my friend Luke McElroy. We are going to chat all about environmental projection. He has a new book out on the topic, and I'm telling you, if your church uses EP or is thinking about it, this is the comprehensive resource for you. I'll talk to Luke about what is in the book. We'll walk through why he wrote it, and he'll give some insider tips and tricks that didn't make the final cut of the book. Be sure to check that out next week. I want to thank my producer extraordinaire, David Michael Hyde. David is a contemporary composer and music producer for film and digital media. Only if you can handle it. Visit his website at davidmichaelhyde.com. Thanks for listening this week. We would love it if you took a minute today to rate and review the podcast in iTunes. And keep your feedback and topics for future episodes coming. You can email me directly at carl at 1230media.com. Go out there, guys, and create some incredible experiences this Sunday. I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Church Media Podcast. Please take a minute today to rate and review the show in iTunes. Catch you right here next week for another episode of the Church Media Podcast.